You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Last night was absolutely amazing. Super stoked to be back at a Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. It has been almost a month that I haven't been there because uh, I am now doing these once a month. But I had a great time because I conducted a live interview with Danny Marino, the guitarist of The Agonist my great friend and the very first Vox and Hops guest ever. We had a great time, and guess what? That episode will be coming out next Thursday. When I conduct an interview at a Thirsty Thursday, that episode drops the following Thursday as an extra Vox and Hops episode for that week. Most of the questions of this interview came from the Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday gang. It was really cool to get their input, which questions and topics they were interested in hearing about, and Danny was amazing as always. Such a blast, super stoked. Next Thursday, that episode will be dropping. It's Friday, people, and that means that tomorrow's the weekend, and I am so stoked to relax a little bit. We are already in October. That just baffles me, blows my mind. We've been going through over six months of COVID, but we are doing good, and we are being strong, and we are just moving forward, people. Keep it up. Don't stop. On today's episode, I am with Drew Stevens, the head brewer of Kanawagi Brewing Company. This is Vox and Hops, episode 187. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Drew Stevens of Kanawaki Brewing Company. Uh, I'm super stoked to be with you. Uh, I've been wanting to make my way over to the brewery, and I never have yet. I haven't had the chance, and then, of course, COVID hit, and I don't like taking public transport any farther than I can, so so I haven't made it yet. But my awesome coworker, Sherry Stevenson, lives uh, very close to you guys, and she actually hooked me up with some of your brews, uh, so now we're having a chat thanks to sherry so massive shout out to sherry for doing that how are you doing uh, drew uh, let's start with a very simple complex question how are you coping <laughs> with 2020 oh man what a what a crazy year i guess for everybody but uh yeah coping nonetheless i guess it pushed us in some new directions and stuff like that for the brewery but uh yeah definitely sticks a fork in any plans of going anywhere to check out things so <laughs> I don't blame you, man. I, I don't blame you at all. <laughs> what 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 have been some of the biggest changes that that you guys had to embark upon? You, know, you probably had a a vision, a plan for the mm-hmm. brewery, and then of course COVID hits. What did you guys have to change? Yeah. Um, well, I guess we. I mean, we just started canning. I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, uh, we already bought uh, the canning canning line in January, so that was already on its way. Um, but we're just off to a really good start of the year. You know, January and February are usually kind of dead months for bars and restaurants. And yeah, we were like seeing some pretty summer style sales, you know. And so that was it was it was like kind of measuring up like, holy shit, this might be our like breakout year or, or something like that. But uh, yeah. And then March happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I guess in terms of like long-term plans and all that stuff, uh, or the or the plans for this year, um, 
nothing too crazy, but it definitely put um, put us in different positions uh, when COVID happened. Like we started making uh, hand sanitizer, and we we gave that out to our community out here, and um, and uh, yeah, and then getting into the canning thing, we're pretty much delayed because we bought it off another brewery and kind of just waiting for them to finish up with it, but they were using it to survive through COVID. So, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, just kind of like waiting for this thing to blow over, I guess, but I, we're still not out of it, but no, we're not, no, we're not. (laughs) But luckily you did get that canning machine because, uh, I get to hold one of your super dope beers and the artwork is amazing. I want to talk about that as well. So talk to me about this beer. What is this beer and why is this the first beer that you decided to start with? Um, well, I guess it's, it's kind of, uh, beast was our first sort of new England IPA that we came out with back in 2018. And it was, uh, kind of a big hit surprisingly because where we are it's really like bud and bud light territory so um but yeah it was a big hit um and uh i guess it was just kind of like you know we're excited to get that one out there it also got a lot of people talking on the outside of the territory uh you know people from montreal and so on and so forth so we're definitely uh we wanted that that beer to get out there um and we did have plans actually to release our uh lagered blonde ale bridge because that's our number one seller actually but um the labels actually didn't come in in time so we're like well we have these ready let's just release that you know that's good you got to be creative you you gotta yeah juggle juggle and keep juggling to keep everything up in the air all at once (laughs) well we're just so excited to get something in cans wanted to get out there uh with that we're hoping to come out with both at the same time but you know, especially with IPAs, you don't want them to sit around too long. So we just wanted to get them out there while they're fresh. Absolutely. And speaking about that, I'm just watching it just get older and older by the minute. So let's crack these. Oh man, let's pour them and uh, let's see what let's see what the beast has in store for us. I actually got one right here myself. There you go. <laughs> there you go. It's really cool. I love the can art. I didn't bring any fancy glassware, so I'm just going to drink it straight out of the can. <laughs> hey, it works for Heady Topper, right? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, man. Well, it smells dope. It smells uh, super citrus, like apricot Yeah, that's that's super smooth, dude. It's got a nice little dank bite. Really enjoy it. It clocks in a bit higher, 7.5, which is very nice. I like yeah. my New Englands to be up a, a little bit higher, but above 6.5 normally. Mm-hmm. This is great. Really, really good. Take take me back to uh, why you brew beer. Take me back to how you started brewing beer. I want to hear this whole story of, of how you ended up owning the first brewing company in the First Nations territory. Um, yeah, so I actually got forced into brewing beer. Uh, I had no ambition to, uh, to do it. Actually, uh, one of my former band members... Um, he uh, and and still best friend. Uh, he was brewing beer because he's he had this great idea of we we're we're kind of victims of marketing, so we're always drinking like Coors Light or or whatever was on sale, you know, uh, volume drinking pretty much. Uh, and he's like, I have this great idea how to get cheaper beer. I'm like, how? <laughs> and he's like, we have to make it. I'm like, I'm out. I don't want anything to do with that. Um, and his dad had brewed beer in like the 80s and showed him like, oh, this is how I made it. And it was like some can kit or something like that. He's like, 
but he's one of these guys that like you give him something and he's going to research the crap out of it until it's dead um so he did that and and he was he really fell down the rabbit hole that and got all this elaborate equipment and all that stuff to to brew beer and um he was he was trying to get me to do it for like a whole year and i kept saying uh i don't know i I have so much fun like just coming over to your house and drinking all your beer and you're doing all the heavy lifting (laughs) so uh for my for one of my birthdays uh he bought kind of like a startup kit and um kind of forced me into it and we went out on my back deck with like a propane burner and a big pot and just mixed in all this stuff and added some yeast and and uh yeah that was like so much fun um you know just being outside and having a couple of beers with with a friend and brewing some beer and then eventually drinking that beer you know but uh so yeah it kind of ended up like an illness after that like you just start collecting all kinds of equipment and uh you start like uh ransacking your dad's uh you know bottles that he was going to bring back to the store and uh taking the labels off and doing all that and then you buy kegs and then i ended up like i started off in a closet and ended up taking up the whole basement of my house so wow yeah so then i needed to go somewhere (laughs) great partner (laughs) yeah yeah so that was over a couple years and i I got involved with the um the montreal homebrew club called the montrealers um just uh started off in there i started running some of their competitions like right out the gate um we're getting like submissions all over uh, from all over canada uh into our competition and i became a member at large and then president and i was president for a few terms and i'm still kind of involved in there as the past president it's kind of just like a consultation role i guess but uh yeah still still kind of you know remember where you came from and where you learned the most, you know, so still keep in touch with those guys. And, uh, yeah. And then how the hell did I end up here? Oh yeah. Well, I was, I was working a nine to five IT job and just miserable, just kind of jumping from place to place. And, and then, uh, you know, my wife uh, was just like, you know what, why don't you just do something that's going to make you happy? And that was, you know, my hobby was homebrewing. And I said, well, what if I do that as a job? And I, uh, I left my cushy office job that I was making pretty decent money for and, uh, and cut my paycheck in half and became a brewer at, uh, one of these fancy chains called Trois Brassards. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I was there for a couple of years and then, uh, while I was there, I was taking business classes at McGill, and uh, I knew I wanted to do something in beer. I always had the idea of starting my own business from a pretty young age, but I didn't really know in what. And then, um, and then, yeah, I just got in contact with some guys that uh, they had a, a wine making operation in on the territory, and they wanted to start uh, making beer to complement the the wine that they were selling. And, um, yeah, mutual contact put us in contact and it really, really clicked between us. And we put that, this whole project together. And so the three of us started that and they actually got out of the wine business. And, uh, I guess two years later, here we are drinking beast 
on Vox and Hops. Who would have thought? <laughs> it's really amazing. It's it's super super amazing to see that uh, the stick to itism with a dream and it just all ending ending up and lining up. Why on a reserve? What is different between having a brewery on a reserve versus having it not on a reserve? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, well, my two other partners are from the territory, uh, from from uh, Kanawaki, and uh, we're actually looking around for a place to set up our operation. This is back in 2016, and uh, we're looking around. Uh, I'm in. I'm from Shattagi, so uh, I was looking around there. Um, and then a spot opened up. My one of my partners owns the building that we're in, and uh, a local opened up, and he had a storage building in the back, which was actually our original brewery. And uh, he's like, "Well, you know, we could squat here for now." And uh, it was right along the highway, just right off the Mercier Bridge as it come down. And it was kind of a perfect spot, really, uh, to catch those people like coming home from work and stuff. So we're like, well, let's give it a shot. And we've kind of been there uh, ever since. And I don't think we can ever get out of there because we sort of built the building around the brewery, brewing equipment <laughs> now. So, Are there different like laws that you guys have to abide by or that you have to play with because you're on a reserve? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the territory is actually um, federal, uh, and it's pretty much self governed for the most for the most part. Um, so the laws and regulations for making uh, beer actually don't follow under the uh, the Quebec RACG stuff. Uh, in fact, there was no laws and regulations for making beer when we uh, went to go apply for a permit that didn't exist. So. Wow. Um, but the council really liked the idea. They knew that, uh, beer was a great tourism driver, uh, and they want, they were really kind of, uh, motivated to get some more tourism onto the territory. So we met with council and, um, yeah, we, we got hooked up with their portfolio chief of there and the lawyers and they have an alcohol control board as well. So we had this big round table discussion of, you know, what did we want to do and, you know, we wanted to brew beer and we want to sell it at retail, but we also want to wholesale it. And uh, we want to put it in bottles and cans and growlers. And they're like, well, what's a growler? And we had to explain what a growler was and sell kegs. And, you know, uh, we wanted to have a, a restaurant as well. Um, so we just we kind of laid all our cards out on the table of what we want to do with this business. Um and uh yeah the 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 lawyer the lawyer that they hired actually is a, a gentleman from ontario and he was pretty well versed in wines whiskeys and beer actually um and he's like i know exactly what you guys need and he wrote all these things and we did a couple of revisions and uh a year and a half later we finally had the laws and regulations to apply for such permit but um yeah he was like pretty pretty all in about it like we even had the ability to do some spontaneous fermentation i think even before it was allowed in quebec so very cool very cool we don't do it but we had the option to <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've heard that if you do do that you need like a whole separate system because it just invades everything yeah well it's it's tricky man you gotta rely on on nature for doing it and it's, it's you know it's like making spirits, man. You, it's, you got to have the investment of time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, which with a, a young brewery, you need to make beer to sell beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that you can make more beer and afford to mm-hmm. do that. 
Right. What uh, breweries uh, would have been like some iconic breweries that inspired the way that you guys run your business and how you set up your brewery? Um, I don't really think we modeled after too many people in terms of, I mean, you know, Instagram is great because you could follow a, a boatload of, of breweries from all over the world. And we did look at like, uh, you know, United States for a lot of inspiration and what's going on in West Canada and stuff like that. Um, you know, Pinterest was, was huge for decorations and stuff like that. Uh, but in terms of the way we brew beer, um, I always kind of had like a more of American influence. You know, I was kind of doing those road trips down to Vermont and, and Massachusetts and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then the great dynamic of that is probably about a year in or so, uh, another guy joined our operation. He's, he's brewing with us, Christoph, and, uh, he's from Czech Republic and he has the whole European thing. So the thing that was kind of mind blowing is the first time we brewed together was beast actually. And I had to explain what a hazy IPA was. And he's like, no, but people don't want to drink mud. Why would, why would you want to keep all this mud in there? It's like, no people, the more, the more mud, the better actually. (laughs) Um, It must be clean. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he brings in that European lager stuff, uh, side of it. And, you know, we've kind of went, went, uh, kind of balls deep on that too. So now, which is great because it's totally becoming the trend. Maybe, maybe, who knows? <laughs> confidence, confidence. confidence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, like we have 12 taps in the wall there, uh, at our, uh, bar that nobody can visit just yet. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we kind of put three, three IPAs on tap and at least three loggers on tap. Um, we might have more of one and less of the other, but then we kind of play, play with all the styles as well, play with the, I guess the more seasonal stuff and things like that. So we try to keep it interesting and, but yeah, I tend to have more of the American stuff and, and Christoph's more of the, uh, European side of it. Is there a style of beer that you, you have just banished that you just won't make because you personally just Belgians, fuck Belgians, (laughs) man. No, man, there's too many people that do such a good job of brewing Belgians We'll just get out of the way, you know? It's not our jam. <laughs> not to say that we won't do them, but it's just we we don't like them, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you believe has been the response of the craft beer community and uh, other brewers uh, about uh, your brewery? Uh, I personally believe that you guys have a lot of hype, that you guys are doing really well. Um, how do you feel about it all? Yeah, I don't know what other brewers think. Um, you know, maybe... Because, I don't know, maybe some breweries or brewers are starting to think that uh, the uh, the marketplace is getting a little crowded here in Quebec. Um, and for a brewery that may not particularly play by the Quebec rules, um, you know, uh, maybe they think that we're just kind of taking up space. Um, we don't sell on any shelves. You know, people have to come to us and... and uh, we sell to uh, just recently with the canning stuff. We have uh, we have shelf space on a couple of uh, convenience stores and grocery stores here on the territory, but we're we'll never never be seen out there in the province unless you know people buy our stuff and, and bring it home. Um, so I don't know like if there's any hard feelings about that. Um, 
for the most part, I have like a lot of friends in the brewing community and, and it's always great. We do a lot of collaborations. We try to collaborate as much as possible because it's a great uh, learning learning vessel. It's a great way of getting our name out there as well. But it's just like a fuckload of fun. You know, I'm allowed to swear on this, on this right? You, you, you can know? say whatever the fuck you want, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fuckload of fun to, to you know, brew with, uh, with some friends and all that stuff. It kind of brings me back to those days of like standing on my back deck with my friend, you know? So, um, yeah, we like to do a lot of collaborations. Uh, obviously, COVID slowed that down because of uh, social distancing and such. But, um, but yeah, like uh, in terms of like the community around here, uh, I think uh, the territory really kind of embraced what we're doing around the territory. I think uh, the, well, uh, the surrounding towns and cities around us have kind of really embraced what we're doing as well. We get a lot of positive feedback from, you know, even, uh, uh, you know, f- Francophone speakers where um, they, you know, there might be a stigma of not going on the territory for any particular reason, you know. So uh, that's been great. Um, I think for the most part, you know, we, we troll as much as possible on on like these Facebook groups and stuff like that just to see what, what people are saying. And we like to see our name pop up. And then I like to read the comments section to see if anybody's talking shit. But uh, so far, <laughs> so good. Banned so them. far, so good. I haven't had to do the... Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, where it's like, did you say this on that date? And you kicked the shit out of them. I haven't had to do that yet. No, 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 no. Rule number one, <laughs> don't read the comments. Rule number two, never respond. I say it all the time on the podcast. Yeah. What are the limitations of getting this, let's say, in a Palooza? Uh, all the limitations possible. Uh, it's basically like... Um, might as well be moonshine at this point. Really? Okay. For people listening that don't know what Paluzzo is, it's a premier, it's one of the best craft beer stores in Montreal. It's it's basically moonshine because it's it's on the territory. That's why. And and, and the, the, regula- the regulations are federal and not Quebec. That's why. Right. We just held, we don't have that RACG number, so. And it's impossible to get. Uh, it's not impossible, I don't think. Uh, I've already reached out to some uh, some lawyers and all that stuff to to find out how that's done. Um, but it's uh, it's quite expensive dossier to open. I got it. Yeah. So. But you know, there's the Masorum route where you just sell out of your brewery and you can do a okay. Bingo. Well, I mean, you know, we see we've seen so many breweries do it. Uh, not just here, you know, Masorum is one that you mentioned, but, you know, we've seen it down in the States too. Not going to compare myself to like Hill Farmstead or Treehouse or anything like that, but just to say that those models do work. I mean, uh, if we take another local example, Wood Brothers is too, uh, as well. You know, people are traveling out to uh, Alexandria, Ontario, where there's nothing uh, except for them. So it, we've seen that it's, it's a model that can work. Um, as long as you have uh, have good great stuff to make the trip for it, you know. Yeah, you guys always have to be on top of your game, producing amazing brews, which metal bands have to do too. You can't put out flubbed albums; they got to be good records. Let's talk about you are actually a metal brewer, which makes me super happy to announce to everyone listening: <laughs> we we actually played a show together. We did, yeah, yeah. probably ten years ago at this point. Uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe even more. <laughs> <laughs> you used to sing for a band called Avery's Descent. Correct, and yeah. I have a vivid, vivid, vivid memory. I was 
in another band, not Cryptopsy, not Three Mile Scream, not the era of, but I was in a band called The Catalyst for about a year and a half, two years, with my brother Mike Marino, Vox and Hops alumni, and uh, he used to be in Three Mile Scream, and uh, we played a show together. I believe it was at a place called The Underground. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you where that is now. <laughs> and it's, it doesn't exist anymore. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> so tell, tell, tell me about being being a metal brewer. Tell me about, I want to hear your metalhead story. When, when did you get into metal? Why did you get into metal? And do you still love metal? Okay, well, I'd like to say that I'm retired metal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I left the band and actually... Um, well, I was I was uh, pretty much the founder of of that band, um, and I, I gave it my all for about uh, I guess seven eight years. And but it was time to get old, man. It was it was I was going back to school at the time. I was working full time, and I knew I wanted to start something. And you know, a few years later, like I ended up starting a brewery. So I guess it was kind of a good thing. So this was during that time when the band dissolved when you started working at Trois Brasseurs and taking those classes at McGill. Even before that, okay. before that, like I started taking classes a little bit before I, I made that jump um, into brewing. But um, yeah, man, it was you know like I just feel like I, I hate not giving something justice. And the thing is, like for for the band, you got to treat it like man, like like any uh, you know hobby or a sport or anything that you want to be super good at and super successful at. You got to put the time in. And, uh, you know, like I just kind of lost my, my mojo for it. And, you know, I was, I was skipping practices and not, not good, man. So, <laughs> you know, I, I just, it wasn't being fair to the rest of the guys. And, and I just didn't feel like at 28, 29 years old, it was going anywhere, you know, where, where was I going anyways with that? I don't know, but, uh, it, we weren't going to be, uh, anybody popular you know <laughs> no, you never know there's a bunch of bands from montreal that made it so that's true that's true <laughs> that but, always uh, helps keep the dream going yeah when, when you well, we didn't we didn't have the, we didn't have the um uh, we didn't have that workmanship we didn't have the drive you know like um uh, I, li- I listen to like a, a youtuber all the time and and he is constantly saying like you know bands got to treat their themselves like a business like you need to market yourself you need to get out there you need to make people like it's fine if you make the best record but if you don't you know tell people that you're making the best record well nobody's gonna buy your best record so um well you know what i I don't have to teach you how to do that (laughs) Um, give give this youtuber a shout out who's this guy uh so it's uh finn mckenty he does uh punk rock mba yes he does and me and him are on the same podcast network the sound talent media podcast network it just just uh just something new that's happening in the world of vox and hops yeah yeah i i i really enjoy his his podcast i'm kind of out of the the metal game but i still enjoy like it kind of brings me back man because he talks a lot about the metal core and uh, scene uh, and the punk rock scene and it's like I feel like I kind of followed him in that trajectory like I was almost the same thing except he was a little bit more into hardcore than I was I guess but uh, yeah no hey, I, I like that podcast but anyways back to me playing metal um, yeah just kind of uh, got out of it and do I still love metal yes I still love metal I still listen to it um, 
Lately, it's been a lot of children's songs, though. Uh, not the metal versions, unfortunately, but, uh, yeah. What is the one children's song that you just can't hear anymore? <laughs> uh, man, my son's just started watching TV, and he he watches uh, Passepartout. Yes. yes so yes. I, I have the opening song in my head all the time, and I just wanted to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what would be your brewing playlist? Do you listen to music while you brew? Is that something? That no, you do? I don't actually. I, I don't listen to, to music when I when I brew. It just really deconcentrates me, um, and I, I really like. I, I really need to hear what the system is doing, and uh, yeah, it's like my second set of eyes. So I really I, I can't listen to anything, um, and usually on the way in. Uh, into the brewery, I'm usually listening to the Craft Beer and Brewing podcast. Um, not the Vox and Hops one; that one's terrible. Uh, <laughs> except <laughs> for this I'll, episode, yeah. Yeah, except for this. Yeah, this one I'll listen to. Um, and then, uh, and then on the way home, I'll, I'll probably throw on some some metal there just to decompress. What is an album you really are digging recently? Uh. One that just popped up on Spotify is uh, Gideon. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So I never heard of these guys until it just randomly popped up. So uh, been kind of uh, listening to them for a bit. Uh, but that's about it. Very cool. Very cool. And now let's dance into uh, making collabs with bands. Yeah. There, how, is that something that you've ever wanted to do, that you've thought about doing, that you ever wrote me about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, you know, I was kind of wondering if, like, collabs with bands was dead because, you know, once uh, Metallica uh, did Budweiser, I mean, what collab is there left to do? Um, yeah, but they but, did the uh, arrog arrogant consonita, which is the angry bastard, right? They they did the stone IP. The stone one, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think they're the the top one's got to be the Budweiser beside a speaker. That's got to be the best collab out there. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, I, you know, I it's something, you know, beer and music always belong together, except when I'm brewing, uh, I guess. But um, yeah, it always goes together. And uh, so I got this genius idea one day of doing like people are always calling you know pilsners and stuff like that crispy and i'm like crispy crispy cryptopsy crisp cryptopsy ah, oh. <laughs> so you wrote me and i said yes let's do it <laughs> yeah yeah crispy 2020 i'm all about it it's <laughs> <laughs> so one good thing that's come out of 2020 probably probably they yeah crisp yeah. <laughs> so we're definitely into it. Uh, I I've spoken to the boys. They're they're all into it. Uh, the the balls in your court, Drew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll have to free up some time, but um, I think I think we could probably could probably kick that in uh, in October or something like that. Very cool. Very very cool. Uh, let's just uh, finish this up on a classic roundup question. Is the it probably doesn't happen because you're you're very organized. You seem very meticulous. You have two young children, uh, but it sort of always ends up happening. Sometimes, what is your hangover cure? Oh man, no hangovers happen quite often. You know, uh, hangover cure, man. There's nothing. You just gotta suffer. I like that. I don't have I don't have a cure, man. It's 
it's suffering suffering through it (laughs) i do the same yeah yeah it's wishing you can sleep and you can never do it (laughs) that is correct that is correct they didn't drink the beers drew we did yeah exactly yeah Yeah, no i wish there was a cure anybody finds out a cure let us know man we need that shit right now Drew, thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk about your life, a little bit about a metal, and of course, a lot about craft beer. I really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, I really enjoyed this beer. I'm stoked, and if anyone can make their way out to the brewery to grab some, uh, you absolutely should. Is this something that you're going to keep putting out? Is this like a, becoming a flagship, or is it going in rounds? Uh, it's going in rounds. Uh, we are coming out with, uh, so I don't know why, but we have this mystical beast uh, sort of rotation, so... Uh, the next one coming up is uh, Minotaur, which is sort of like uh, a big brother of uh, Beast. So that's even more hop forward, I guess, than this one. Uh, we'll have uh, Wizard, where we dial it back a little bit. And then we have a fourth one that we're coming out with, but uh, I don't have a mystical Beast name on the top of my head. Um, and then, uh, yeah, no, but look for it probably in the next month or two depends how fast people buy beer man people buy beer people support kanawagi brewing company (laughs) (laughs) drew thank you so much cheers brother thanks man take it easy Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. What a great chat with Drew. Such a great, great brewer. Excellent, excellent human. And it was so much fun to rehash and talk about the days when we used to play shows together. I am super stoked about this Cryptopsy Kanawage Brewing Company collab, which is happening. It's coming. I'm so stoked about it. The Cryptopsy guys and myself have been talking about making a craft beer collab for many, many years. And it is great to see that it's actually happening. If you've enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, please subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Make sure that you go and like or follow the Vox and Hops social media accounts so that you don't miss any episodes. This Vox and Hops episode was brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I hope that you guys have a great weekend. I will be back at you next week with three episodes. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.